Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee, sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade. Which, of course, means from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please go check them out at MyAlmaCoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Harry or the brains of the outfit, Leticia, and tell them that Stone sent you. You guys are in for a real treat this morning. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Coker Signs and Graphics, the man himself, Mr. Dan Coker. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Stone. How are you? I am doing fine. It's a real pleasure to have you out. Mission, purpose, uh, what are you out there trying to do for folks with uh, Coker Signs and and Graphics? Well, I um, uh, started the business about uh, 20 years ago when I got married, and uh, my wife is a dental hygienist. She has a very set schedule. And it's very inflexible. <laughs> and we needed, uh, we needed something that would kind of uh, – uh, we needed one of our jobs to be flexible because we were raising kids. And uh, somebody's got to always go get the kids, take them to the doctor, or, uh, or at least ha- uh, have the kids home for summer. I mean, you, you just don't want somebody else raising your kids necessarily all the time. Right. We, needed, we needed a flexible job, and I had avoided uh, creating my own sign business for a long time. So we decided it was finally time just to do that. So when you try to help someone craft a sign, I'm operating under the impression that one way to do it is maybe they already have an existing logo or a set of graphics and you can reproduce that and make it big and bold and and beautiful. But when that's not the case, do you do you ever work with businesses who haven't quite got that package together yet and or yeah, maybe it makes sense to fold in my my art and my uh, the the look and feel, but I'm trying to create something for for an event or something totally different. What is what does that creative process look like early in the in the relationship? Stone, my my job is uh, when somebody comes to me and tells me uh, what they want. My job is to tell them that they can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> of course, I'm joking, but but uh, yeah. I spent um, years past working for some bigger sign companies and franchise sign companies, and uh, and one of the things I felt like uh, when I wanted to start my own company was that um, a lot of folks are, the, are just being underserved by those bigger businesses, um, huh. and it's it's hard to get. It's hard to find somebody that will actually kind of tell you the truth about, I mean, they've got, you come in with what you need, and then they've got what they need to sell you, and Mm -hmm. they're usually going to try and sell you what's best for them. I'm not criticizing everybody out there. Uh, I'm I'm just saying that that's the way that that the bigger bigger sign shops and uh, companies have to to work to to get everybody paid because their overhead is so tremendous. I don't, I really have very little overhead. Now, how did you pull that off? Well, I work. I work for my home. I have. Uh, oh, I, have wow. I have a certain. Uh, I have a certain amount of technology that I use, and work from my uh, work from my basement. Work from my garage. I have a home office, wow. um, and I'm able to accomplish a whole 
lot uh, there. Now, and the bigger signs, you know, larger stuff, I just don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I just give a referral. But, but on the front end, um, somebody needs somebody there to be very honest with them about, you know, here's, here's what that sign is. Here's what you're asking for. But you might be better served to, to purchase this. It costs less. It'll last longer. And it'll be more effective. Um, so somebody needs to be there to tell people that. <laughs> well, no, that's what I need out of a sign company, right? So, for example, uh, hypothetical, but I think we're going to see more and more of this uh, because I think this this type of business for us is opening up again. Uh, we were talking about this before we came on here, conference and trade show event kind of a business, you know, having business radio X in your booth or at your event can add a, a nice dimension to it. Uh, if I were, and I probably will be getting ready to either have signage for my community partners or my clients or for business radio X, I would think circumstances objectives would dictate your counsel on what to do with respect to to signs and graphics. For example, if we were going to be at an outdoor event under some sort of tent, you might have a whole different set of recommendations than if we're going to be indoors at some, you know, startup pitch contest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, where I usually start with with customers is is a uh, it's Christmas and you have anything you want. So <laughs> and and we'll work down from there. But uh but a lot of it, and it's hard to talk about this without talking about how technology has changed things. Oh, I bet. Even over the past 15 years, that means that that a lot of stuff out there now uh, costs less, mm. lasts longer. Mm. Um, I, I remember when digital printing was not a thing. Um, and now it's huge. Digital printing is, is huge and it's fantastic. It's Carl. There's a lot of color there. You can get your logo there. You can get a lot of pop. You can get a lot of eyeballs. Um, and, uh, and there's no reason to pay a fortune for it, but, but, um, but, and there's a lot of different ways to go. Like if you were doing a tent or something out there now, there is, a a a a lot has been done with what's something called dye sublimation. Uh, that is printing graphic onto fabric. And you see these tents outside that have graphics all over them. That's typically the way they're done now. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. So you could actually, uh, that is one way to do it, is to put the graphic on the tent itself. Right. And huh. and they're sold that way now. They come as, right. they come as a package. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I have some friends who do that. And, uh, and the price, I, I remember the price of that uh, 10 years ago was outrageous and now it's very affordable and it's huh. it's something that you can keep and pack up and put in the garage and get it out 6 months or uh, or whatever and and uh right and it and it represents your business very well and um and it doesn't cost as much as it used to and uh also you know just like giant outdoor banners or or, right. or anything like that um, there's just a lot of different ways to go. And, uh, and, and I don't have all of that stuff in house. I, I really don't. Um, but I know the people who do. And, and a lot of times my job is to crunch the graphic and get it into an acceptable place, uh, uh for the, for the printer to do their job. Well, here, here again, um, I would feel better about if you, let's say, I, th- I think you mentioned you don't do the tents actually, but, but if you help me design or redesign or do something special with our art, I would have more confidence in you referring me out to someone whom you believe to be best in class 
for that thing, I would feel like I was going to get better service. I would feel like you're a better judge. Otherwise, I'm walking the yellow pages for those of you that are old enough to know what yellow pages are. No, no, you and I are the only, <laughs> you and I are the last two. I just lost the whole audience for that reference. Yeah. No, there, uh, uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of. There are a lot of industries out there now, like like that do dye sublimation or uh, that do digital printing, that are what's called uh, to the industry. <clears throat> that is, they'll sell to me, but they won't sell to you. Oh, and I okay. just did I just did a video, and I just posted it, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, on this very subject, where okay. uh, my my job uh, is to is to crunch the graphic. My job is to is to um, kind of massage you and get you and get the graphic exactly to be uh, what you want it to be, and at mm-hmm. the same time to be a mm. file that this company can print from, um, and then they do their work. But they don't have a graphic designer there, ah. and and uh, and like I said, I just did a video that has you know a lot of there are a lot of sign so called sign shops online these days where uh, you know. If the if you can get what you want from them, then fine. But buyer right. buyer beware. Chances are, <laughs> you know, they don't they don't have a graphics person there that you can call and say, you know, can you move this logo over to the right a bit, or can you yeah. make this bigger? They, that that person's <clears throat> not there. Um, that's why their prices are 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 very cheap. And if you need to talk to them at seven o'clock at night, then um, they're not they're not there. Uh, but that's just the online world. But uh, but my job is to is to interface with you, and to crunch that graphic, get it exactly where you want it, and then give that file to the company that can get it printed, and then get it in your hands. So I'll share with you one potential example, and I think once again we're probably a little bit late in the game, and I don't even know if it's the right thing to do. But an idea that surfaced for us at Business Radio X uh, Corporate which is one of the hats that I wear in, in the Business Radio X system, we have uh, talk show coffee mugs. Uh, you're not going to get one today because we're having a supply problem, but <laughs> I owe you a Business Radio X talk show coffee mug. Uh, and we have this, I don't, you know, some dark red. I, you probably know the PMS color or whatever for the big X. But I thought in October, I'm, I'm, I know that is the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I thought it might be interesting for a little while to do like a limited edition with the X being pink. Mm. I think that could have been a fun thing. I'm probably late again. Um, but I, I mean, it sounds like you're the kind of guy I would go to first to maybe get counsel and say, Stone, that's ridiculous. Don't even do it. Or yes, Stone, cool idea. Let's get let's get a look or two together. And then let's think through, do you really want it on the mugs? Do you want it on mic flags? Do you want it on the wall? You want it on hats, shirts? Um, that, but I, I, I get the sense where I would start with that whole pursuit now that I know you is, is I would start with you. Right. And in, and in that case, <clears throat> in that case, uh, I'm not that guy, but I know that guy. Right. Um, for the end product, for but the, you're the guy the to help product. me think through the strategy sure. and, and maybe even get the graphic right. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. And, uh, like I said, I, I started, uh, I started doing signs when I was 13 years old. I'm, I'm 58. <laughs> Boy, you look good for 58. Oh, God. <laughs> and 58 is not old. Uh, <laughs> I just turned 58 August the 6th. <laughs> oh, okay. Another uh, 1962 baby. <laughs> no, I uh, uh, I started uh, doing signs when I was 13. Uh, I, I was. We were talking earlier. I had, a, a, had an art teacher in middle school who taught our class the line space method of hand lettering. 
Oh my, that sounds, that sounds incredibly complicated. Uh, it was fun. It was absolutely fun. And for those of us who wanted a, a, a deeper course in, in, uh, in lettering, uh, my art teacher taught us, taught those of us how to drag, what was called at the time, dragging, hand dragging letters. Uh-huh. With a paintbrush. And everything was hand-lettered back then. And when I was 13, I got my first sign job. Uh, the local Baptist church needed their lettering, needed their, their name painted on the side of their bus. And uh, that was my first sign job. It was a local Baptist church. I misspelled the word Baptist. Ouch. <laughs> Now you laugh. You oh my gracious! You laugh. These Baptists did not have that sense of, oh sense of humor that you have. But I, I fixed it. And what I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, that started me. That started a, a track years ago when I was 13 of doing something artistic and something that was uh, that was created around signage, um, and uh, because it was it was it just seemed like something fun to do and uh, a good way to make money. And so. But over the years, you know, I've seen technology come and go. Uh, you see what um, uh, different types of things that become very pop- popular, like wraps are really popular today. Vehicle wraps. Oh, oh okay. Are, yeah, those yeah. Those are huge. I mean, and they're, they're absolutely great. I, I don't do them at my shop. Right. Um, because I'm a, I'm a small one-man shop, and that takes a, a bigger shop. Uh, it takes expensive technology. you got to have three or four sets of hands on that. Uh, you got to have a lot of climate control to do a good job. But I, I have huh. friends, I have friends who do that. You're the guy that knows the guy. I'm the guy that knows the guy. <laughs> right. And, um, and, uh, and if someone needs that, then I can refer it to them or I can process the artwork and then I can send it to them. So, but, uh, I've just seen a lot of things come and go over the years that were fads or, or yeah. different technology that, that I'm kind of able to steer people, uh, in in the, in a in a different direction if they need to be steered that way. So so how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you? I, I guess your work is out there advertising for you all the time. But do you? I mean, do you go out and make sales calls, or have you been at this long enough? Your phone rings. How does that whole thing work? Funny, you should ask that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, uh, it's been a really interesting road of how to do that because I do work from my home and uh, I do work from my shop. Now, I've right. you saw my truck outside. I've got my business name on my truck. I get a lot of uh, – I get calls from still today. When you have to do – think about that, guys. He has to do a really good job with that thing on his – the sign on his truck because it is a That's sign, advertising by. sign. <laughs> it was like when I used to sell – Sales training, right? You, you, you were expecting. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, I, but yes, I did. Yeah, no, uh, uh, absolutely. That's that's one way. And uh, and someone told me years ago, you've got to get a website. Ah, uh, yeah, well, uh, that makes sense. Okay, if I've got to get a website, I suppose I'll get a website. And I and I did, and I got a website. It was like one static page just floating out there in space. And I thought, why? Well, <laughs> it's really not doing me any good. And then and then uh, and then over the years, I've had to, um, I've had to. I, I started out going door to door just with business cards, just uh, promoting my business. Really, and I found that the that the uh, business with the biggest sign on the door that said "No Soliciting," I was most likely to make a sale at that place. That's interesting. You got to say more about that. They usually want a bigger "No Soliciting" sign. <laughs> But apparently that one's not working. But uh, no, no, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a product to sell. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything right. in my hand to sell. I was promoting, uh-huh. and usually when you walk into someone's place of business and hand them a business card and say, "I'm a local sign guy, I do all kind of signs," 
um, and you turn around and walk and, and walk out the door, they usually stop you before you get to the door. And, you know, they need something right. because most businesses need signage of, of some kind. Right. Um, so, and I, and I thought about that when I started to design business is that people have always needed signs right. and they always will. So that's something sure. that I can do. And that's something that I'm pretty sure is going to be around, even though years ago, someone told me that, uh, no, no, you got to get out of signs because now it's all websites the only billboards are going to be on the information superhighway, and you're going to be left in the dust. And I thought, that's probably not true. That's, uh, I think that we're probably going to have signs around for as long as we have brick-and-mortar buildings and, and all that. And that is true. We're always going to have signs, even though the technology changes. But but for me, that was the, that was the big step was just um, – and, and I told you before, I'm an only child. I'm painfully shy. So it's hard to go door to door, walk in a door and place a business I'll bet. and uh, and try and start a conversation with somebody that that may be grumpy <laughs> or be or, or just uh, be tired of people, uh, students coming in, selling paintings or something like that. I mean, but yeah, but um, but that 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 part of the business actually that was actually good. And, and doing that was and some of the customers that I approached 20 years ago customers that I still have today. And a lot of them are right here in Woodstock. So wow. it's, um, that, well, well, that speaks to the quality of, of your work. And it, nothing sells, I don't think, as well as good work. <laughs> that's that's true. And and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time bad-mouthing, uh, you know, other businesses. It's just other business models. I spent time um, at, at other uh, uh, franchise, let's call them that, franchise okay. sign shops, yeah. where we were taught – that uh, when someone hit the door, you know, hi, welcome to such and such signs. How will you be paying today? And I saw people, <laughs> wow. I saw people turn around and go right back out the front door and wow. without even a word, because that's not what they're looking for. You know, pe- people want right. to be people. Uh, people want someone to listen to them, to understand what they need, and and to help them. Yeah. And, I, and I felt like there was this huge population out there that was underserved as far as that went. And I was right. I mean, because uh, 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 people want personal service. I know I do. Uh, and um, and that's something that was being lost. That's something that was being uh, uh, overlooked and thrown away mm-hmm. in the industry. And I thought, well, that's really sad, you know? I mean, because uh, when, I, when I was growing up, um, there was a, a guy that I knew that painted signs out of his garage and, you know, but that was back in the day of the giant boards and all the paint and all the sanding and all that kind right. of stuff. And a lot of that's gone now. But he, uh, he, he had customers come to his house. He would sit down with them and draw out a sketch, and they would come to an, a, a decision on, you know, what it was that they wanted the sign to look like. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, the guy would come back and get his sign. Yeah. And so the guy, the guy doing the, the lettering um, – he always had plenty of work. Uh, he always had good customers. His customers appreciated him. And uh, if he felt like working one day, he'd work. If he felt like going fishing one day, he would go fishing. So I thought there was. Oh, that's beautiful. There's, a, that, there's an attraction to that. Too. <laughs> All right. So tell us about your backstory. How does one land here? I'm sure it wasn't um, a, a purely direct path. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your early career and, and, and some of the. Some of the milestones along the way, if you would. Well, we were uh, we were talking earlier, and I, I mentioned, you know, um, 
being 13 and uh, having a teacher that taught taught art yeah. and learning the sign trade. What was also happening when I was 13, um, besides an infatuation with a certain redhead at school, was um, <laughs> uh, what was also happening was uh, I just – when we were talking about this earlier, I loved radio. I mean, I just – I really fell in love with radio at the time as well. And, uh, and um, I used to stay up late at night listening to the radio uh, and uh, listening to uh, storytellers more than anything, more than music. Mm. I didn't so much get into the music. And then, um, and then later on when I was 18, I quit college for the first time. Um, <laughs> the first time? The first time. And uh, I've got an expert at, quitting, at starting and quitting college. Um, but when I uh, – uh, when I was 18, I'd quit college, and a friend of mine called me and said that they, they need DJs over at the radio station. I said, well, what? so what? What am I supposed to do about that? He said, get over. I know you don't have any job. I know you don't have a job right now. Get over here and get over here and put in an application. And I said, uh, well, okay. I mean, sure. Why not? Um, and I, I had all these fantasies about how radio worked, you know. And there's uh, this big steel and glass building with 15 stories high and all these professional people running around, and uh, went to I went to this radio station my friend worked at, and it was not that. I mean, the, I mean, it's like they say making mm. sausage, and uh, it, it was. <laughs> it, it, there's a there's just this mystique around radio that that really got destroyed when I was 18, and I saw how it really worked. Yeah. But I put in, and I and I got a job working as a DJ at this radio station, um, and uh, spent about a year doing that. Um, but it, that that station was on the decline. It was on its way out. Unfortunately, I mean, it was a small country station, and unfortunately, this was 1981, and it uh, and the and the Oak Ridge Boys had just released the song Elvira. Oh yeah, and uh, and we played that about 20 times an hour, I think. And uh, <laughs> it was which is why I don't carry a gun. I think I would have probably uh, I would have probably put myself out of my misery at, back then. But um, but uh, it was a good experience. I mean, it was a good experience, yeah. and it was a lot of fun. And then uh, years later, uh, when I went into the Air Force, I went in open general. I told the Air Force they could do whatever they wanted to with me. I was I living in Colorado, and I was bored, and I didn't want to go back to school because I knew I would just quit again. So a lot of my family members uh, were military. Mm. And so I said, I'll join the military. And I joined the Air Force open general. And uh and on the day that we got a dream sheet, what was called a dream sheet in basic training, on the back page was a uh, uh, radio and television broadcaster. And I thought, well, that looks interesting. What are, you know, I'll, I'll give that, I'll see what that, I'll see if that works. And I got a slot and I got uh, an audition and, mm. uh, and I got a slot in Armed Forces Radio and Television. So I got to spend the next four years working in, uh, in Armed Forces Radio and Television uh, for the Air Force. Uh, and I got to go to uh, Korea. I spent a year in Korea doing radio mostly. I, I love your attitude toward life. I got to go to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, you made the, you made you made it a positive experience. It, you know, it, it was. I, I, I did not grow up as a uh, as an airplane guy, right? But, but at that base, and there's I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. There were uh, two two. Um, Two divisions of, of uh, F-16s. There was 12 in one and 12 in the other, two, two different squadrons. And, um, 
and that was amazing when when just to stand there next to the flight line yeah, and watch those guys take off, all 24 of them with full afterburner right about dusk and just uh, ground shakes every time that one would take off. And I would just yeah. I would just sit there and go, wow, this is <laughs> this is amazing. Um, but we did spend a lot of time in chemical warfare training, which was mm-hmm. not a lot of fun. But most of the time, uh, uh, I just uh, did my radio show in the morning uh, from 6 to 9. I, uh, I did a radio show for the base, which there are about 2,000 people on the base. Um, and you got to talk to uh, people, uh, and you got to promote people, and you got to be in a place. And, and, and I, I don't know if you watch cooking shows on TV. Oh, yeah. There's, that's about all I watch. Uh, uh, well, Guy Fieri. Uh, I, I watched uh, him last night. I, I watch yeah. him all the time, and I love that show. But one thing I love about Guy is that um, he, he'll take a uh, – He'll take a, a nothing, nobody, hole in the wall, but with, with a core where people are really making good food and they're mm-hmm. well-studied and they're, they're, they're working for their community and they're doing good stuff. He takes a big spotlight and puts it on them, you know, and oh, shows. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's great to be able to do that, what he does, and, and I really admire him for that. Um, and I got to do that in the Air Force. I mean, in, in Korea, it was mostly with radio. Uh, you could highlight uh, a program or a person or or whatever you wanted to highlight. And then when I moved on to uh, uh, to Turkey, I spent a year and a half in Turkey uh, doing mostly television there, television news, uh, uh, television news. I, I was anchor for a while, a television an- news anchor, and also did ENG reporting. Mm. But that was also a great opportunity to be, you know, in a military installation and and take a big spotlight and just put it on these people that, that worked their fannies off uh, yeah. and did the hardest jobs in the military. I mean, the, these guys on the, were on the flight line in, in Turkey in Injerlik. Um, it was 95 degrees by 9 o'clock in the morning on the flight line. And sometimes these guys would be in <clears throat> chem warfare gear uh, for yeah. hours at a time. Uh, and just, uh, and, and, you know, I was in the military, but I got to see people that did difficult military jobs. And I got to do stories on them. I got to, I got to shine the light on them and say, "Hey, look at this guy. These, yeah. Or look at this unit. L- look at what they've done. And this is a, they've done an awesome job. They've gone from here to there. And 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 uh, you know, when you see them at the NCO club, buy them a beer because this is a <laughs> because they're doing an outstanding job. So you know, it, and I miss that. I miss being able to talk to people on television and uh, and and just shine a light on them." And show what a great job they're doing because uh, that's that needs to be done. <laughs> Amen. And and that's a large part of our mission at Business Radio Access. One of the things that I enjoy about this work because there are people in our community right here in Cherokee County that are just out there grinding it out and doing great work. You know, for the market, the profession, yeah. the community. So I really do. I genuinely identify with what you're describing because I I get to to, to live that to live that now. Uh, all right, so you, you've got all that background in in radio. You've got all that. You've had that very early background in the sign and, and graphic business, but you uh, you also kind of uh, you went beyond just the broadcasting aspect of of using these resources, and you're you're neck deep in the 
uh, book and audio book world as well. Speak to that if you would before we wrap. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And I, I know I, we talked about it a little bit before we went on air. I'd like our listeners to know about that because that's another way you've chosen to serve. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, if you want to put it that way. Um, well, like we were discussing earlier, I I grew up around storytellers. Yeah, my dad, uh, my grandfather. Like I had a bunch of uncles, you know, whenever there was a fish fry or whenever there was a campfire, or whenever there's a family get together, there were going to be stories told. There were going to be yeah. jokes told. <laughs> and I grew up around this, uh, this, this atmosphere of storytelling. And, and when I wanted to go into theater, I mean, I wanted to go into to drama when I was, went into college, my parents kind of scratched their heads. I think they, where did this come from? You know, but, but it's like, I've grown up with this. You, you. This came from right. you. You're the ones that you're the ones that introduced me to this world of of, of of storytelling and and theater and stage and all that and and radio and television. A lot of it's just storytelling. But um, the best of it, I think, is storytelling. Yeah, yeah, Ab- absolutely. And uh, and to find a story that's worth telling uh, is just a is a great thing. Um, but when uh, I, but I left the uh, I left Armed Forces Radio and Television in 1990. Came to the Atlanta area. I didn't want to be in broadcasting anymore. I wanted to be in production. Didn't want to necessarily be in broadcasting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the writing part. I uh, love the performance part. Love the editing part. Love shooting video. Loved all a lot of aspects of production. Um, but. Uh, Found it hard because the technology was changing. We got any technology in the Air Force, it was already worn out. <laughs> we didn't get anything. <clears throat> we didn't get anything. There was a television camera or whatever until it was already worn out. Well, you mentioned before we went on air, I have technology right here in this little table that was probably every bit of a, as sophisticated, maybe beyond capability of some of the stuff you worked on that might have taken up a room, right? Yeah, absolutely. And now now you can do what a giant radio station could do. Uh, gosh, it would have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and, you've, and you've got it on your desktop, <laughs> right. which is amazing, um, and, it, and, it's, and it's very awesome. But, um, but I was... Uh, I missed writing um, when I left the Air Force. I didn't, I didn't have to write for television news anymore. Um, I missed writing. And a few years after that, I mean, I started thinking about all the things that happened, you know, uh, uh, maybe a little PTSD going on. <laughs> there, but there was just a lot of uh, – and I'm a weirdness magnet. I mean, whatever's weird, if something's weird, it's going to stick to me or it's going to come around me. And mm-hmm. for some reason – um, uh, I started thinking about all these stories and all these things that happened, you know, and, um, and, uh, a friend of mine turned me on to audio books and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And I thought, I'd like to make an audio book out of, out of all these stories and stuff. And then I found out, um, that I could not until I had copyrighted material. Uh. So, um, a friend of mine saw, I had a shoe box in my, uh, in my sign shop, it was literally full of stuff that just paper on stacked on paper of stuff that I'd written. And he said, why don't you publish it? And I said, nobody's going to publish. Nobody's going to publish that in a book. Nobody's going to do that. Yeah. And um, he said, well, don't worry about yeah. it. Just um, just publish it. Do self-publishing. Oh, good for him or her, whoever it was. Good for them for, for telling yeah. you to just uh, don't, you know, don't, don't wait to be, cho- choose yourself. Yes. I like that. <laughs> Exactly, and I said that's I, that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. And at the time, the uh, the online uh, the online way was through uh, CreateSpace, which mm. is now 
uh, Kindle Publishing, I think. Okay. But um, but I uh, I started looking into audiobooks because I I missed the performance aspect. I love my sign shop. I've still got my sign shop running, um, and uh, and I created a small audio studio in my basement, um, and uh, and I had to sit down and I had to write this book. Because uh, these were things that I wanted to publish, but I had to turn it into a book first. So I went through Kindle Publishing and created a copyrighted book that I could then take to uh, um, to uh, Audiobook Creation Exchange, ACX. Uh-huh. And uh, created my book. And by the time I got my own first audiobook done on my book, I had already produced 10 audiobooks for other people. Wow. Because that's how easy it was. And, um, it doesn't sound easy to me, but apparently it comes easy to to you. And, and I'm no stranger to the microphone, but I just you know, I, but but it must be it must come easy to you. Well, the, again, and uh, the technology has changed over the years. I uh, when I was in uh, when I was in the Air Force, if you had a microphone, if you touched it, or if you acted like you were going to touch it, engineers would pop out like. <laughs> Like ninjas, you know, and they would slap you on the hand. You couldn't touch anything of the equipment. Ah. But now, uh, now with all the uh, uh, advancements in technology, with with microphones, etc., um, it's right. You know, I I spent a hundred dollars on my first um, microphone, which was not mm-hmm. as a USB. It plugs into the USB port. Yeah, and uh, I was amazed at that. Um, and. Uh, uh, and I started working with that and uh, working with the uh, audio editing software that's out there now. When I started out, we were editing audio reel-to-reel with uh, a, a grease pencil and a razor blade and some tape. That was the way audio <laughs> was edited back then. And I could not believe I could not believe the advancements in just having a desktop editing software. And it's, it, it turned out to be very easy to do that that editing job. Um, but getting in a studio and, and, uh, finding a book that I wanted to do, uh, finding a book that an author wanted done and then making the agreement with them to do that audio book for them. Um, just a godsend. I mean, just, uh, just a lot of fun. And, uh, and sometimes you make some money. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but to date I've, I've Mm. done up to, I've done about 35 audio books. Oh wow, you have um, quite the portfolio, and and you've authored books, right? I've, uh, I I kept at it, and and again, I just I, I tend to write what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, years ago, a friend introduced me to uh, an author mm. by the name. Two of my favorite authors were Louis Grizzard. Yeah, I love Louis. <sighs> I got to hear him speak years ago, and uh, uh-huh. he was a funny guy and a great guy. And uh, but he's one of my favorite authors, and also Dave Barry. Yeah, from, my, from I think from Miami Times. I don't think I've ever heard Dave Barry, but of course I've read Dave Barry. And I, a friend handed me a book written by Dave Barry, and I read it, and I thought, you can write like this, you can, you can do that, because I was in such <laughs> a structured program of writing for television and radio. Oh, there was so yeah, much yeah. structure in it, and there was a, mm. it was done a certain way. But he wrote, Dave Barry just wrote, you could tell that it was just his brain that was spilling out into the, under the page. And he is a funny, funny guy. I mean, he just, I've got all of his books. Oh, yeah. He just cracks me up. <laughs> and I'm not, I wasn't trying to be like him in my writing. It's just that I, I learned a lesson from him that, um, that I can write like I think. 
Yeah. So a lot of stories from growing up in the, in South Georgia, <clears throat> having a bunch of, you know, being a, a young redneck youth and doing all sorts of things that probably I shouldn't have lived through and my cousins and I was probably <laughs> dead a hundred times. But just stories from then, uh, 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 memoirs from my uh, four years in armed forces, radio and television, um, memoirs, mm-hmm. things that happened there, uh, just uh, it dawned on me, just just get them down. You've got Microsoft Word on your computer. Right. Just get them down. Just just get it out. You know, and, and who cares if nobody ever sees it? Uh, somebody might. But if you don't get it down, if you don't write it, then right. it's just going to evaporate one day and nobody will know it. And and a lot of these stories I tell my, try to tell my kids and they're like, oh, dad, please, oh, God, not again. And so I think, well, maybe one day when I'm dead and gone, you know, maybe, maybe then they'll read it if they're That's a, <laughs> curious about their old man, you know. Uh, but but a lot of stuff I write is just and is just an attempt at humor. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, and I always put it this way, uh, um, and uh, I always put it this way that that uh, with my books, each chapter is there's like a bag of potato chips. Each chapter is greasy and it's salty and it has zero. <laughs> Zero nutritional value. <laughs> but sometimes that's exactly what you need. Sometimes that's, you know, is exactly what you need is a big old bag of greasy, salty chips. And it's a fine thing to sit down with. And, and, uh, and I hope that I can, I hope that I can pass on something that, uh, that makes someone laugh or makes someone understand what life is like on, uh, uh, in another part of the world or for someone else. Um, so. Well, I have no doubt at all that you will be able to do that and that you're already doing that. So on the on this side of your professional life, you are taking on clients to do audio books? Is that is that sure, that's, that's an, business that you take on? Sure, that's an ongoing thing. And I um <clears throat> I, I I do my best to seek out local groups, uh local writers groups. Oh, um, okay. And what I consider real writers, not not like myself. <laughs> <laughs> Real writers, and uh, you had Mike Cena on the uh, a few a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, wasn't and he great? I, I thought, he did, yeah, I've known Mike. I, I've known Mike for like four years, and uh, and one day I realized he had a book, uh, and uh, I thought, why why haven't you done that as an audio book? He said, I have no idea how. I said, well, let's let's get to it, man. Come on, I mean, uh, and uh, I produced his audio book for him, and it was a lot of fun, and um, oh, but, and try to go. To any establishment, certainly any any place where where two or more are gathered, <laughs> and they already know Mike Cena and think the world of him. And I know I've lived here four months now, as of this uh, live taping here, but I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone in Cherokee County that didn't already know and think the world of Mike Cena. It's impossible not to be friends. <clears throat> if it's, it's impossible not to be friends with Mike Cena. Oh, no, no you've, got, you've got some real challenges if you can't be buddies with Mike. And for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, the, here's a guy whose first thought is, what can I do to help you? That's, 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 that's where right. his mind goes immediately. Yeah, I, I owe him... <clears throat> Uh, I owe him, I owe Mike a lot. So, uh, <laughs> I but expect a, a lot of folks but He's a great friend. He's a great friend. Yeah. And, and uh, I enjoy doing his book because I, you know, I learned something from it. I, I don't know, I don't know money. I don't, uh, I, I don't deal with money well. I'm not good with money. <laughs> that, that's Mike's thing. That's his <laughs> right, thing. And, right, right, right. And that's, for, that's right. That's his thing. But I learned a lot and I enjoyed being in the studio reading. 
uh, reading his book and then editing it, you know, you get a double dose of, of whatever you do. Right. But, uh, but that's definitely enjoyable. So I've, I mean, I've tried meetup groups in different, different, uh, mm-hmm. author, different author places, uh, different, yeah. different places to meet authors and, and kind of preach the gospel of audiobooks where, uh, if you're, if you've written a book, and uh, you feel like it could be an audiobook, and you just don't know where to start, then it can be done, and, uh, and you should look into it. And uh, if I can help anybody do that, I'd love to help. I, I have signed customers that I realize that they've written a book. Uh-huh. I, I've got others, other customers in my sign business, and, and I've, I've realized that they've written, they've written a book. And, they, and I said, about that? let's make it into an audiobook. Come on. I mean, there are ways to do it where it doesn't cost anything up front, which is – it's unbelievable. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable today, but that's because of the te- that's because of the technology, and it's because mm-hmm. of uh, the way things are done now, which um, which is a great advancement. So, well, I think it's marvelous. I think it's incredible the way that uh, opportunities continue to expand, but only for those who can see them. And you you are you are clearly one of those folks. An idea that struck me as, as you were talking that might be fun. Maybe we should do a special episode where we feature some local authors, and I'll shut up and just run the board if you want me to, or if you want, you and I can kind of co-host it, but it might be fun to, to find a handful of local authors uh, and, and have them come in for like a special episode, let them talk a little bit about their work and their book. If, if that's something you're up for, maybe we'll... Well, I would love to do that. Scheme around that over a beer or something. No, that would, uh, any, 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 <laughs> any excuse. Any excuse to go to uh, Reformation. Um, <clears throat> no, that's good, and and yeah. uh, uh, and the the joy in that is the joy that I felt when when I I uh, I looked at publishing a book as something that was insurmountable. It just wasn't right. wasn't something that somebody like me did. It's not something that you do, Dan. Um, and then having a friend that encouraged me to do it, and then looking into it, and then going through the process and learning a lot right. through it, and then getting to the end and having your own published book, you know, in your hand and going, wow, that's, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. And, and then, uh, but no, to have a room full of people who, who are at that place where they've published something for the first time are very excited about it. Right. Um, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned. We might get that, get that put together. Okay. Before we wrap here, let's make sure that our listeners, uh, know where to go points of contact if they'd like to have a conversation with you or your team about the, the, the graphics and the signs and graphics work and or the audio work, whatever you think is appropriate, email, phone number, website, whatever you feel like is the, uh, the, the best place for them to reach out and, and, and have a conversation. Well, my, uh, my sign site, um, you can, uh, well, if you type in uh, signs Canton, Georgia in your browser, you'll eventually get there. But it is under Coker Signs and Graphics, and uh, my website is cokersigncantongeorgia.com. And uh, the um, to, to the other way would be through my uh, voiceover site, which would be dancokervoiceover.com uh, for voiceover work and things like that. But uh, but find me online, uh, and um, you know if if you need a sign, <clears throat> then uh, we'll get you in a sign whether I make it or not. Well, it has been an absolute delight having you in the studio, Dan. Uh, quite sincere about uh, maybe wanting to find a way to, to work and play together some more. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and your your insight. And uh, let's do let let's find a way to do some more, man. 
Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. And uh, who doesn't love to talk about themselves? <laughs> Amen. All right. This is Stone Payton for our guest today, Dan Coker with Coker Signs and Graphics, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio. Yeah.